Welcome to the Melbourne Business School podcast, where we answer the biggest questions in business today and explore the latest research. I'm your host, Yasmin Rupersinger. Today I'm speaking with Amanda Sinclair, who was a professorial fellow at Melbourne Business School. Amanda's recent Harvard Business Review article, Staying Mindful When Working Remotely, which she wrote with IMD Business School Professor Alison Meister, argues that mindfulness can help reduce the unprecedented levels of burnout that we're now seeing around the world. Amanda, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. It's lovely to have you here again. Thanks very much, Yasmin. Great to be here. So Amanda, what is it about working remotely that has made stress levels and burnout worse than ever? There are several factors at play here. The first really is that we're working longer hours um, and there are less boundaries that help us say no to work and head off home. Mm. Uh, You know, there's always been this flow through, but working from home means it's really hard to establish some of those boundaries. A second factor, and this is demonstrable from the research, is that there's a whole lot of extra burdens that come. So those people who've been homeschooling, and we know from the research that women have really uh, carried the burden of this, we're just doing so much at home, including schooling and caring for other people. There's also that factor around loneliness. And if you look at the evidence, people who live on their own have really, really struggled. I guess a a final factor is that, uh, you know, our jobs have changed actually through this process. So often our jobs have got extra dimensions of pastoral care. You know, we had an old understanding of what our job was, but it's actually changed in many cases. And so people are having to learn new kinds of activities that are being an important part of the work that they're doing, including supporting colleagues, supporting their teams, and finding new ways to communicate across those uh, those boundaries. It sounds like you're illustrating the elevated stress levels that people are experiencing by having to expand what we're doing as part of our workday. And I want to talk about that. Can you tell me what are some of the signs of stress to be aware of that could indicate that folks are heading into the burnout zone? Yes, the signs of stress. uh, They're pretty easy to pick up and most of of us would be familiar with them. I think the 3 a.m. wake up, the 3 or the middle of the night wake up, you know, whether it's 1 a.m. for you or whether it's real difficulty getting to sleep, that's often a key factor. And it's not just the wake up, it's then where our mind immediately goes when when we get disturbed, you know, when we start to ruminate or rehash and rehearse, that's another sign. So watching your thinking is a really great indicator. And if you find yourself rehearsing a sort of a meeting or a difficult, um, uh, you know, a difficult challenge that you're facing, you're thinking about it a lot, you're thinking about it again in the same way, that's a real indicator. The third uh, obvious one is our bodies. And our bodies are really great barometers uh, that tell us you know, whether we're heading up to that top of that curve of burnout and exhaustion. And it's, you know, we all carry it differently, but if there's a lot of stress in our jaws and our shoulders, our backs, we're feeling those physical symptoms, you know, our, our breath can become very short and we can feel the heart rate go up. So our bodies are actually really great allies in terms of giving us little signs that we need to pay attention to what's going on and we perhaps need to insert a a kind of a mechanism to stop. I might say that just, you know, there's some fascinating research around the causes of stress. 
And one of the most powerful uh, pieces of research evidence is that it's not actually what happens to us that determines our stress levels, but how we think about what happens to us. So some very interesting longitudinal studies that tell us, you know, all of these events happen which, which introduce extra uh, burdens and extra challenges for us, but it's our habits of thinking about them that are the critical ones to address. And that's actually why mindfulness is such a useful tool in this space. It really does help us to step back from our habits of thinking and have a look at that as well as what's going on with us. So let's talk some more about mindfulness. What is it that's so special about it when you're experiencing stress and how can mindfulness help reduce stress and make work more enjoyable again, especially when working remotely? So mindfulness, there's a lot of hype around it um, and there's also a lot of myths around it. And mindfulness is really just the choice to make this moment important. You know, this one here, sitting with you in this room. Yes. It is a, a way of bringing our full attention to the people who are with you right at the moment. And so in contrast to ideas that, that say you have to go off to some mountaintop, uh, you know, like in a meditative state in order to be mindful, uh, another myth is that you have to practice a lot in order to be mindful. They're not very helpful because it actually is just that conscious decision that we might make to bring all of our attention, our mind and our body to this moment here. And again, research tells us that, you know, for many of us, and it is a human condition, our minds and our bodies are often in two different places. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's part of life, but that research also tells us that when we make that choice, when we notice that our mind and our body is in two different places, when we make that choice to bring it fully to the person that we're with, we're more effective, we're felt to have more presence and, and, and to be more supportive, and we're also happier. So there's a lot of reasons to, to make that conscious choice, and it's a particularly important thing and, and very appropriate to so many managerial situations. You know, when somebody comes to us, you know, it might be a colleague or a team member and, and wants to have a chat about something that's bothering them, you know, we can make that conscious choice and we might actually say to them, look, I really want to understand, just, just, just talk to me about it for a moment. You know, that is an act of mindfulness to bring our full presence and our attention to that person in that moment. So very, very suitable for many, many managerial and business contexts. Amanda, you say that mindfulness is about focusing fully on the present, but that's not easy to do when your mind is full of other worries, is it? It's certainly not, and our minds are often full of uh, lots of stuff, important and less important. So one of the things that mindfulness helps us to do is to tune into particularly, uh, to particular ways of thinking. And most, have been, most of us have been primed and rewarded for thinking in a particular way. That is the sort of the cognitive, it's the frontal lobe type of uh, thinking. It's the problem solving, it's the evaluating, uh, it's the exploring issues. And look, that form of thinking is really, really valuable in life. It's really valuable in our jobs. But the problem is that most of us do too much of that. Mm -hmm. In fact, that we, we sometimes come to the conclusion that we are that form of thinking, we are those thoughts, and that our entire value lies in that form of thinking. So many of us have lost the capacity to, 
allow our mind to be in another place. And some of those other places, firstly, there's reflection. And, you know, for many of us working in education, being able to step back from our habits of thinking and say, you know, I wonder why I'm thinking about that in the way that I'm right now. That is a very powerful move. And it might be the basis of a lot of deeper learning. So we're not just adding more content or more problem solving to our, our, our pattern of uh, thinking. We're actually exploring how we think and choosing the way we think. So that's one uh, move we can make. But the other is to move into awareness. And what happens when we move into that, you know, we allow our mind to go into awareness, is we start to notice a whole lot of things about our environment and perhaps things that have been said to us that we really didn't hear because there was so much clutter going on in our minds previously. So awareness is really uh, much more expansive, it's more open. When we're in that state of mind, we're not trying to change things, we're not trying to persuade others, we're not trying to do things, we are just really attending in the moment to that person. And it's a, it's a beautiful form of awareness. It's also associated with a dramatic drop in our heart rates. It's really good for our bodies, it's really good for us uh, to move into that. And others feel supported when we can uh, offer that kind of presence to them. So it's good all round. Sounds really good, very natural. And the kind of things that I think sound like used to be more familiar to all of us, but less familiar now because of the kind of work styles that we've all become accustomed to. That's very true. And if I might just pick up on that, you know, one of the ways to help us move into those more reflective or more aware states is to kind of remember how we might have done that in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, and they all, uh, the people who research this often say it is about kind of tapping into a, an earlier appreciation of nature or of our bodies. Um, and, and, you know, that's often a really fantastic way to access that mind. It is to move out of that excessive cognitive thinking mind and to appreciate uh, life, Absolutely. life and, uh, and others and what we have around us. So, so some of those things are very, very good ways to access that. Amanda, what insights has your research provided into the most effective steps our listeners can take to become more mindful? Well, certainly in the article that I co-wrote with my colleague Alison, we identified these three moves that are particularly appropriate, we believe, in remote working contexts. The first is from moving from a focus on doing to a focus on the quality of our being. And our argument and, you know, our own experience and research demonstrates that often what you say or do in our business roles is not as important as who and how you're being. So people pick up on the quality of your being as much as what you say or do. So this is a really interesting move that sometimes you can make. And of course, you can make it just as powerfully online as you can sitting across uh, you know, in a room from one another. We believe that, that, that the other person on the end of that can really sense when you're totally with them. So that move about not just thinking about action and talking and telling, but really the power and um, significance of presence 
is an important step to make. So that's one move. Okay, what other steps do you suggest people can take to stay mindful? So another step that we believe is very critical and it's, it's almost heretical in, in management and business thinking is to focus less on f the future, on goals and targets and more on this moment. It's heretical because we are so used as business people to measuring our value in terms of you know, future goals met, um, in terms of targets met and so on. And we're not saying you throw out those altogether, but a habit of always focusing on the future, and it's particularly relevant for now, uh, all of us you know, going through lockdowns and COVID, you know, there's a tendency to think, oh, everything's gonna be great when we get back out of lockdown or when things get back to normal. But what it ends up doing is kind of deferring life. It defers our happiness. It postpones all of those possibilities. And a mindful perspective really invites us to move back to valuing, you know, the wonderful things that are happening right now. You know, the ones yesterday and the ones that are happening this moment, you know, in terms of our connection with people. It's, it's a critical life lesson, we believe, to not live our lives hoping for happiness to come sometime in the future, but really making a, a positive step to appreciate, you know, the efforts we're all making to uh, support each other at the moment. And, you know, there's a lot of research to say that what these crises have meant is that people have reached out more to each other. Um, in workplaces, there's been more efforts towards appreciating um, and um, supporting people to cope with difficulty. So that move, if you find yourself constantly thinking, oh, I can't wait until, you know, next six months or whatever it might be, you know, pull that back and, and spend some time just feeling grateful, you know, to the effort somebody made this morning for you, um, the opportunities we have right here. That's really beautiful, Amanda. I'm interested to learn more about some more interpersonal insights that you can share. You just shared a couple of um, examples of how we can be more mindful personally, but what about with other people? Again, there's a lot of really interesting innovation that's happening around this. And, you know, when you ask that question, um, a, the example of health and mental health services just sprang to mind because what's happened as a result of COVID and a, a lot of remote services like health services being now offered remotely is that we've seen an extraordinary amount of innovation that's actually increased our ability as professionals, as, as managers, as people operating in the space to be more connected to others. Um, it's improved our accessibility. So lots of people in remote and regional areas have suddenly been able to access services that they couldn't previously. And that's been fantastic. So we've had, you know, groups online, I've certainly worked with lots of groups online, where there's a great deal more diversity in the, in the virtual classroom than there ever has been. So there's been opportunities to do that. There's also been opportunities to kind of democratise virtual spaces, which has been very interesting for me as a teacher, as a facilitator, to observe that what happens sometimes with a virtual environment is that you can, everybody's on the same level, we're all just little tiles. <laughs> and so sometimes power distances have dropped 
Um, and, you know, there's opportunities if you're involved in facilitating or part of those groups to reach out and say, look, we haven't heard from so-and-so or, you know, we really like some different experiences around this issue. So there's a whole range of possibilities uh, that have been made available to us, I think, through this crisis, uh, for us to learn some new things about inclusivity, around how to democratise, how to provide more opportunities for people who have, uh, have not normally in, in, enjoyed those opportunities. I'm also thinking about schools and particularly highly multicultural schools that have gone, you know, again, have, you know, have done a lot of innovation in terms of improving the access of those, you know, from less advantaged backgrounds to... So there's been a lot of fascinating innovation around that and I think we can really build on that going forward. So now you've shared three great examples of how we can be more mindful, but I'm curious to know, Amanda, why do these steps work? And what is it about focusing on the present that helps us to minimise stress? Again, there's a sort of emerging body of work that tells us that all of the moves that you know we've been talking about today really do land at a physical level. They land in all sorts of interesting ways. So focusing on the present, we know what it does, is it does reduce our heart rate. It helps us breathe more deeply and slowly. And those things in turn uh, accrue in our bodies. They reduce the level of inflammation that we know uh, often cranks up when we're stressed. So anything that helps us to do that really reduces the physiological barometers of stress and helps us to just cope better. So it's a fascinating area of research, but, you know, I, I say to people, it's highly personalised. You know, what helps you? You know, is it to go out and talk to your pot plants or, uh, you know, all of the ways that we give ourselves permission to turn off, you know, to, to metaphorically kind of close the laptop or whatever it might be to, to turn off the phone. And, and they're going to be different for everybody, but they're absolutely vital. And of course, as a boss, as a, as a team um, manager, you know, saying that to people, you know, turn off early today. I don't want to see any of you online, <laughs> you know, after, after five or whatever it might be. Um, we, we can give people permission to do that and to invite them to, um, to de-stress. We have the power to do that. We have the agency to do that. But we also have the responsibility to help, to help others do it. So that's really critical. We've talked about some techniques where we can be mindful within ourselves, mindfulness within our communities, but I'm really keen to understand a little bit more about how mindfulness works when we shift our attention onto another person, another individual. Can you tell me about that, Amanda? It is a beautiful gift to give to another, to actually notice that our minds are full of our stuff, you know, our ego, what's bothering us, you know, what's troubling us, and to just turn that ego stuff right down and to offer our full presence to another. It, it is such a gift and it doesn't necessarily take extra time. In fact, it often takes less time because that person will immediately sense that. They'll feel, oh, 
she stopped thinking about other things. People pick that up so, so, so quickly. She is actually with me on this. Mm. And what it can then do, often even without you saying a word, is help that person feel heard, feel supported, and, and sometimes even to find a new way through that challenge that they're facing, that they may be talking to you about. So it's a fabulous thing to do for another, for another to actually offer that gift. And it's all too rare. We don't do it all that much. We especially don't do it all that much with um, people who are near and dear to us. So it's a really beautiful thing to actually put the pause on ego and say, look, I don't think I've heard you fully on, the, on that. So why don't you just tell me and I'll really, really listen this time. It's a lovely thing to do. Um, but the other thing I was going to say about it, it, it is often a release for us too as listeners. And I've heard people say this, that often as listeners, they are used to doing the problem solving. So somebody comes to them, they say, you know, somebody comes and says, oh, look, I've got this issue. And we are so used to kind of, okay, let me, you know, and you start to run through your checklist of what might, they might try and, you know, start to propose solutions. So just stopping that and giving you permission not to be a problem solver, but a deep, generous listener is also a release for us. It's freedom for us to be able to offer that. So it's good all round, that move. And again, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't take half an hour. It, it can take, you know, five minutes, but it's still uh, very, very powerful to offer. Thank you, Amanda. You've provided some really great advice today about how to stay mindful while working remotely during these challenging times. Thanks for sharing these insights from your research with Professor Meister at IMD Business School. And I hope we can have a chat again soon. Love to. Thank you, Yasmin. Melbourne Business School is home to Australia's best MBA and business analytics degrees, as well as short courses for professionals and custom solutions for organisations. Our purpose is unleashing ideas and leaders for a sustainable future. Visit mbs.edu to find out more. Until next time.